Hello. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, listeners. Thank you for listening in to the International Shells Show. This is International Shells. Ladies and gents, I have a treat for you today. You know, there's a first time for everything. I understand this is the second show of the year, but this gentleman is the first of something. This gentleman is actually, well, let me say my guest, not this gentleman, I'm giving it away. But today's guest is my very first uh, Grammy-nominated guest. This is my first producer guest. I'm very excited for this conversation. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Mikey J. How are you, sir? (laughs) I'm good. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Thank you so much (laughs) for taking the time talk to me today hey nah no problem thanks for having me oh no worries my pleasure how are things how are you oh things are great um i cannot complain it's just a blessing to wake up every morning and to be able to not just live in your your dream and your reality but to pass your blessings on to everybody else as well so it's been a great year thus far yes you know what talk that talk Fantastic. It's been a great year this far. I hear that. We're not even a week in. So that's what I like to hear. I'm very, very, very eager to pick your brain, sir. So I hope you're ready. <laughs> ready for me? Yes, ma'am. I'm ready. Okay, let's get into this. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So we're here. So, and I'm sorry, I just caught myself in the previous segment. I said Grammy nominated. I didn't say two-time Grammy nominated. (laughs) It it makes a big deal. It's hard enough to get it once. You got it twice, Big Boss, and you're a producer. Very, very, very proud of you already. We've already talked about this already. You know, it's, it's just awesome. And you sound like you're happy in the space that you're in and you just want to do good you want to see other people win is what i gathered from the kind of person that i i've seen out there so please tell the people about yourself tell the people where you're from how how did how did you get to that two-time grammy nominated status Uh, um through uh bert padel um good very good um, gentleman he used to be in my circle actually he was in everyone's circle he was in michael jackson's circle mick jagger madonna i mean you name it bert padel is um is an icon great business manager, great lawyer. And um, I, I was blessed. My, my two Grammy nominations, um, I shared those with, um, they're, they're shared. And it was great production work with Sting and um, Kelly Clarkson at the time. Just to and, name um, a few. Right? Yeah, so <laughs> it's just a blessing. Well, from the beginning. Let's start from the beginning. How did we get to this particular, po- where, where are you from? Where were you born? When did, when did you get bit by the music bug? It's <laughs> about you. Come on now. When did I first fall in love with hip hop? Sugar <laughs> <laughs> um, people, please don't sue me. <laughs> I know, right? Well, I was born in actually, I was born in Harlem, and I was brought home to the Bronx. Okay. Um, 165th Street and Trinity Avenue. I'm from Forest Houses, Forest Ooh, Projects. Mister Joe. Bad Joe, stand up. Yeah, yeah, and um, we'll get there. We'll get there. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's a whole. That's a <laughs> conversation itself. That's my what big bro. Yeah, we're gonna. We're not gonna get them all in the first segment. Come on now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Born up and raised between um the Bronx and Harlem. My grandma, she uh, lived in um in Harlem at the time. She didn't want my mom on public assistance, so my mom, who was a nurse at the time, would um have me stay with my grandma in Harlem at the time. She worked, and then I go back home to the Bronx on free days and stuff like that. So I had the I had the best of both worlds, you know, Harlem swag with a Bronx toughness, you know. I hear that. I hear that. I went to school with a lot of guys like that who can pretty much. I, that sounds kind of like the Jim Jones story, like because you know you guys are so close, being from uptown and being from the Bronx. You know, you guys are like neighbors, literally. You guys are, but you guys are different. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> different, man. But go ahead. And um, I, I would say it started with my cousin Diamond D from Digging in the Crates, DITC. <laughs> respect, respect, respect. I had to um, move in with him at the time. And that's when I got the one wanted to produce bug. That's when I got bit by the bug I wanted to produce while watching him making mm-hmm. music for Grand Pooba, Maxwell, Sadat X, Fat Joe, him him working with Lord Finesse and Showbiz, and I'm respect, respect people. If you need to yeah. pause this for a second so you can go and do your Googles, my God, take a moment <laughs> and go do your Googles. He's talking about it like it's just basic stuff, basic people's names. He's dropping, but this is hip hop that's speaking right now on this phone. Yeah. This is hip hop out here speaking out like this. You know what I'm saying? Like this is hip-hop royalty he's mentioning right now real quick before we get off of this right here you did you did mention digging in the crates did you know big l personally yes i did i did i, I knew l please I knew let l. the people know a little about him please um l was actually a ghostwriter as well a lot of people may not even know that man he wrote a lot of stuff for a lot of other people but um definitely one 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 of the greats in, um, in that time and era, and I'm pretty sure he still would have been one of the greats if he didn't succumb to um, an untimely death, you know? This is truth. I was in high school when that happened. That was one of the worst days ever. Yeah. The day he passed and the day that Big passed, there wasn't there wasn't a difference in how heavy everyone's heart was because yeah. that was really like losing royalty. And at that time, it was just so messed up because you saw where he was going. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Go on, I'm sorry. And- and and just to let the listeners know, Big L died from a beef that wasn't even his. He didn't know about it, no nothing. And um, that's the sad part of the streets is when it's not meant for you, you know, things happen, you know. So rest in peace to Big L. Big L, rest in peace. God rest yeah. his soul. Mm. But on, yeah. a, um, on, a, on a lighter note, yes. it was um, a, a, it was, it was, um, a blessing living with um diamond and his mom gina because wow. we had got my mom had um we got evicted from our apartment and that's when i had to go stay with them so i think everything happens for a reason and um, I, I utilized the fact that they took me in at the age of 12 mm-hmm. and um you know i always stayed out of diamond's way while he did his music even though he, he used to let me hey come on come watch i used to just want to just watch him from afar and see how he moved and did what he did from DJing to making the beats but one of my favorite beats he did was called Step to the Rear for Grand mm. Pooper Maxwell and 
he, he even asked my opinion. He said, yo, you like that? I'm like, yeah. You know, I didn't know from a production standpoint. I just liked it because I have an ear. So, mm-hmm. you know. And um, I was always rapping, you know. And um, it just evolved from there. It went from Diamond to running around with with, with, with Joe. Um, mm-hmm. Respect. You know, I, was, I was too young to go to the uh, to the Apollo with Joey and all that. Yo, but, it's crazy because I'm sorry to cut real quick. It's crazy because Fat Joe is everywhere, right? But people really don't understand the type of thread that he is in the whole spectrum of being like the fabric of hip hop. He's a major yeah. major yeah. cornerstone of hip hop. Yes, he is. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I, it, it, I didn't start running hard hard with until my um, until my lady is in life, and uh, we was running around promoting the Elephant in the Room album. Um, I'm going to different shows, different cities with Joey. But with me, it's I, it's not Fat Joe. It's Joey. It's, you know, to me. You know, yeah, level. Yeah. yeah. So it's like watching your big brother do his thing and you just waiting in the cut. All right, you finished? Let's bounce. Let's go eat. You know, like, that's what it was. And um, from his sister Lisa, rest in peace. I mean, I always loved the family. Um, from his brother Angel, the money man, and sister-in-law Esther and Mom Ruby. You know, I, I love them all. Matter of fact, she even called me, she calls me on a regular through uh through my Facebook. And um the last time I spoke to her was about two, three months ago. She called a check on me. But I want to say this about uh Fat Joe's mom, uh, Maria, uh Ruby. I remember it was myself, Money Man, Macho. And Joey and we would by Gratona Park, and we um I was I brought um, his mom over to him where he was at, myself and his brother Angel Money Man, and she said, and I'll never forget this, and these words always resonate. She said, Joey, Mikey's gonna be a superstar. Give it to everybody else. He's gonna be a superstar. And when she said that, at that point. I didn't think anyone believed in me, you know, and when she said that, I owe that lady so much because she uplifted me spiritually, emotionally, and mentally from that day on, and I just went hard, because I'm like, yo, this is Joey's mom saying that I'm going to be a superstar, and I just started running with the ball. Hmm. That is awesome piece of information to put out to the world only because anyone who really follows Fat Joe and knows what he's about they know he's a family guy yeah, he's very, a loyal very, guy very, Joey. very family oriented he's a loyal person Yeah, you know what I'm saying and he admits to when he was rough in the streets whatever but you guys came from a place that was crazy back in the days <laughs> yeah you guys yeah. came from really really from nothing you know what I'm saying so for me to see if all the people in hip hop He's one of the ones that not have just had the staying power. He's able to really enjoy the fruits of his labor. Like he was out there doing it when before people knew what it was to take your whole crew with you in the way that he did it. You know what I'm saying? And he would always reflect back on them times when he had to fight in the street. And I remember one story that I always think of whenever I look at him. He always talks about that jacket his mom bought him. He was like, my mother worked three jobs to get me this jacket that I wanted. 
Nah, he lying. He ain't not lying. He was like, yo, and one day some they tried to rob it off me. And I said, nah, I don't care what you do to me. You're not taking this coat after I, I know what my mother did to get it for me. So it's like, it's like when he sits down and tells stories, like I watched a lot of his podcast on uh, on the network that he's on doing his podcast with these different people. Because everybody knows Fat Joe, yeah? But he takes you, but his memory is the best. When it, when, huh. What was the name of his album? The Elephant in the Room? Elephant no, in the his, Room. He, he's got one of the best memories in hip hop. His yeah. memory is awesome. You can tell he wasn't abusing no drugs and no real alcohol and stuff like that because he really remembers awesome stuff. He could tell you about when he put on Biggie and the fever. He could tell you all these different things, but he never holds back on the things that were not so good. And I've always respected that about him. He tells yeah. you the good, the bad, the ugly. He's very honest with people in terms of himself. Some people won't tell you certain stuff because it's embarrassing. He yeah. says it all. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So for the fact that you're bringing up something about his mother and what she said to you back when you probably in your adolescent days, it still resonates with you. That's an awesome thing. I just saw because I got him on my Instagram and he had a picture like a couple days ago, hugging up his mother and saying just basic stuff. Oh, her birthday. You know, but, yeah, basic stuff that, you know, but it's like everybody knows the real bond that he has with his mother. And it's wow. like we all know his mother. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. we don't. You know, so anywho, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, what people got to understand about uh, Joey and the the the, the, the Cartagena family mm-hmm. is very, very, very family orientated. Mm-hmm. Joey takes that word family very, very serious. If he calls you his brother, then you mm-hmm. are his brother. If he says that's my sister, you are his sister. He doesn't play with that word family. He doesn't play when it comes to loyalty. And mm. you are disloyal, you can you can hang it up. And one thing about me, you know, I I, I was um an observer of how to move about in the business. I never asked to open up, I never asked for any handouts because it wouldn't have been right. He didn't have any handouts. He had to bust his ass to get where he at. You know, and he was the only one that looked like him doing it at that time. When you look back at all the Fat Joe pictures, I can't even pick out another Hispanic dude and a lot of those pictures of him and his crew back oh, in the day. Yeah. He looked like he was the only one. <laughs> I had um little yeah, Lil Heck. Um Lil Heck, uh, rest in peace to Flex. That that, that that was our old manager and one of um, my brothers and Joey's best friends. Um um, Javier, which is um, yeah, Gizmo and Cosmo. So yeah, you had a yeah, you had a bunch of Puriquas around for real, for real. Like that's the official terror squad, Pistol Pete. Um, but that's when he got older. No, I'm talking about like when he was a kid, like those kid pictures. Like he puts up like a lot of older pictures. When he was a little, a little boy. Oh, well, you got Opie. Um, Opie's in one in a lot of the kid pictures. Um, yeah, yeah, you got you got quite a few. Um. Oh man, so many others, man. Some search, you know, it's just a whole lot. And it's funny how we're going out memory lane right now. Like, wow. <laughs> but you know, with this also, this shows that you know him aside from all the glitz and the glamour. You really know the man. Yeah. You understand? End of the day. And he's one thing about him that I've always respected over the years. Again, Joe has been a fixture in hip hop for so long. He's literally been a fixture. He's been a pillar. Mm-hmm. He's been there. You can't help but to know him. 
You understand? But he will tell you those times when you go up, you come back down. You go up, you come back down. And that's who you know is really with you when you were at those down moments. Who separates themselves from you? Who this? Who that? Who with the record label? Who's rocking with you when you got a hot record, but then they 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 slide away from you like that all the way up? No, not the all the way up. The lean back record story is one of the best I've heard in hip hop so, so far. How the you know the record label was jerking. He came out with that. You know, he he wanted like, yo, why you guys not paying any attention or why you guys sliding me? And they're like, ah, well, you know, they're acting like he's not who he is, you know? So they let him go type situation. And then you get a lean back. That's still knocking in the clubs now. Yeah. But anywho, back to the loyalty, back to the situation. This is about you though. I don't want to veer off. Go ahead. I know, I know. Well, um, you know, when it, when it comes to that family, man, that's one thing I will always tell you. Anybody, you know, I'm, I, I just I just learned a lot from Joe, man, and from Diamond. And um, mm-hmm. I, I, I got this story, <laughs> and Joey was laughing last time we were together real quick. I had gave him, um, I seen him on 3rd Avenue, on 49th Street, with Macho. And when I brought this story up, he was like, yo, I did tell Mikey that. <laughs> He said, yo, I apologize, man. I said, no, nah, yeah, I apologize. I let him hear my CD. And uh, I said, yo, Joe, I've been working on some stuff. And what you hear? And um, he said, yo, stick to the beats. Stick to the beats. <laughs> <laughs> and I told him, I said, yo, look, honestly, all you did was give me fuel to actually go out there and get better. You know? Sorry. Keep it. Figure this is my family I'm talking to. I'd rather just keep it a hundred with you. But at the end of the day, too. Speaking of having a good air, you said his mom gave you that awesome, awesome bit of uh, motivation. That was dope. But I don't think a lot of people have the kind of air that he has in hip hop as well. So if you and you, you are clearly cut from the same kind of cloth because of your surroundings. You're bound to pick up some. Please tell me some more about listening to some of the earlier digging in the traits digging in the crates excuse me projects that you were privy to oh man yeah uh lord finesse came out with an album um when he dropped strictly for the ladies that was one of the mm-hmm. albums back then uh showbiz and ag they dropped uh soul clap with kick that was dope um and then diamond he dropped the best kept secret sally got a one track mind Ooh, it doesn't matter if it's yours or mine. Ah, if you get that one you want to get with her, yeah, you can get her. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it, it was crazy. Like, <laughs> as you get older and you're like, yo, like, these are classic songs, man. Like, yeah, wow. <laughs> and these are songs that you could throw in the mix today and they'll still, and they'll still bang out, you know? So, yeah, man. And Hey, Mikey. Oh man! And then OC got picked up, um, and then you got Big L, you know, and then Buck Wild. Hmm. So it, it was it was it was a lot, man. With DITC, they set the precedent for a lot of stuff that's out right now. Yes. And the last yes. album they dropped is phenomenal, phenomenal. Remember, Joey's DITC too. A lot of people don't know that. Yes, I was just gonna say, not trying to go back into Joe again. Yes, and one thing about him, it don't matter where he is on the totem pole. He will always take a knee. Mm-hmm. He will always bow to anything digging in the crates. He 
always shows the utmost respect. That's the one thing. It's like, it seems to me like Joe always want people to know no matter where he is on the planet, because that man gets around, okay? Looking around looking like the sheik somewhere in Dubai, but he always has respect and he always wants you to know, I just got some money now. I got money, but I'm the same Joseph Cartagena. I've always respected that because if money's going to change your character, you are always a sucker. Yeah, and that's one thing about me, man. Being around Diamond and Joey, everybody, I always play my position. I don't try to mm. be more than what I am. I don't try to, you know, have a handout and I'm not with all that. And if they're going to offer me something and it's in good faith and, yo, look, then it's a, it's a, it's a blessing. But honestly... I just play my position. I just enjoy the, the music that they put out. And um, I just do me, you know? Mm, mm. And that's the best place to be because then they know that you're, be, you're really true. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because a lot of people will see what's going on. And a lot, unfortunately, when you come up from the bottom with people and they're the ones that make it, unfortunately, some people have that, uh, it's like a sense of entitlement. Yeah. Even when they're, you know, and it's disgusting. And that, that's got to make the person... Who's in whatever position feel uncomfortable? Yeah, and and, and that's so it's, it's unfortunate. And to be honest, like I didn't get really into hip hop until living with Diamond. You see, hip hop to me was like One DMC, KRS One, um, not that what I was listening to. I was listening to Shinehead, and um, yes, yes, yeah. You are really going back yeah. to my childhood. My God. So when when living with Diamond, that he introduced me to a whole new sound. A whole, situation i'm like yo this is dope and um and that's when my musical i guess aspirations really took took took, took flight you know mm, mm. well you had some people that were actually there to lay down the actual floor to the house of hip-hop you were there for the real foundation it was no sucker shit at that time mm-hmm. like they were there and they were doing it for the love at that point it was just at the end of the day your respect was your currency in those days. You understand? So you were there when it was all about the actual essence and the actual culture, and now it's just something else. It's got to be super painful for someone like you or even someone from that era, the ones who were actually making music at that time, to see the state of where it is now. And I mean that in the sense of, I believe in evolution, that's fine, but I just don't understand why People don't know that the people from your era when you were making music, they are your age still right now. So why stop making the music? That's what hurts. Don't stop making it because the people you were making it for, they just got older. That's all. That doesn't mean they don't want any music. Yeah, and me, I'm the baby of the crew, you know, out of everybody. Mm-hmm. And even Diamond is um he's like, yo, listen, man, yo, you still dope. Like you you just evolve with with what's like you 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 adapt. So you can see mm-hmm. it on all levels. And I really appreciate, you know, Diamond for all his knowledge, wisdom, and understanding and 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 insight on my life and my career. And that's real mm-hmm. talk. And this this industry nowadays, I can't get with it, man. Uh, from the record executives, because it's all business. Percent business anyway, one percent talent. So I mean oh, shit. it 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 is what it is with what's on the, the the influence that these rappers and these singers are trying to put on our youth nowadays and you know the youth it's, it's a programming they're programming our youth and and even some adults who have weak minds like this is what it is it's all about the glitz the glamour 
and and, and the fictitious lifestyle that mm. that they're trying to program you into, not really telling you, listen, these rappers, these singers, we give them advances, aka loans. Yes. This is not Talk their jewelry. It. This is not their clothing. Like they're not telling the truth. So it's got these people bumping their heads thinking that's what it is when they get into the music business and it's not. And I've been blessed with not one, not two, but three great major record deals and I never took an advance. Um, if it was meant for me to have uh, success, whatever I signed with, then be it. But at least, whether I music or not, they believed in me so much to where they want to give me a major and a blessing. And hmm. These rappers nowadays, I can't take them, man. I don't care if it's Amigos, um, Kodak Black, deal with them. I can't. Because that that's not hip-hop. That's something else, but it's not hip-hop. And I don't know why they trying to say it's, it's, hip-hop has evol- evolved to. No, it hasn't. Have you heard Kanye's new album? Have you heard um, uh, a whole lot of other Method Man's new album? Red Man, Rakim? Have you heard a, a whole bunch of other different rappers out there that are still banging out dope music? Yeah. Hip-hop is Styles P. Styles he dropped like three projects yeah. in 2018. Two for himself and one with Beloved with um Davies. Respect to Davies. Yeah, Davies. Yo, another one. Music. A lot of great music dropped in 2018. Nas. One of the best. Nas the banging album. Uh, Nas dropped the banging album. So for him to say hip-hop has evolved to that, excuse me, listeners, but that's bullshit. Hip-hop is still alive. It's just the fact that that the radio and these executives want y'all to believe that that's a new hip hop. Hip hop is still mm-hmm. here. Even music is still is still banging out there and it's dope. So, you know. Hmm. Well, you know what? You just touched on a very very important note. And you see how you said you had Diamond D who said, "Come, come and see how I do this. Come look, like a mentor." You know what I mean? That's the problem I think we have today. Again, I believe in evolution. I get it. And I understand that even in the earlier years, in like the late 70s, early 80s, you know, when it was that original Sugar Hill Gang kind of, even they had ghostwriters type situation, but the first stone that was thrown and it was called hip hop, it's, it, okay, it changed through the 80s. And the people who started it, of course they had a problem because what they threw out or what they put out, it wasn't being mirrored you know, later on. I get it. I understand it. But at some point, they did have a kind of mentorship where each one teach one. Look at Big Daddy Kane. Big Daddy Kane, he had Jay-Z on the road with him. You know what I mean? You you show the other. The problem I think we have, or we've had in previous years up to now, is that we lost that mentorship program. The mentorship fell off. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if or it was jealousy or whatever but you gotta understand a lot of the people who laid down the surface for this thing called hip hop they didn't reap any of the benefits so here you are watching this person who's coming out and not saying anything that's remotely close to your beloved hip hop what you meant it to be and they're making buku dollars ridiculous money and you don't even get some kind of something some kind of reparations or something some kind of monthly stipend to say thank you for creating this lane for me nothing 
And one of the main people I see that you can see, he doesn't play. When it comes, he barely does interviews or anything, but it will be Mr. Cool Herc. He doesn't like yeah. he doesn't like talking to people or not, but you can't even blame him for feeling bitter. You can't blame him for feeling the way he feels. It's he should not be a person that is not living like a Jay-Z. He shouldn't be that person who's not living, living it up. You know what I'm saying? He made the way. He was there. So it's tough. Of course, I'm not going to mentor you because I'm going to teach you. I'm going to show you and you're going to make your bread and you're not going to turn back and say, hmm, that's for you just to say thanks. Just like you said earlier, you won't go and play yourself and ask for anything. But if anything is given to you in good faith, I'm sure you'll accept it because you know it's coming from love. Yeah. You can. I can't. I can't imagine someone like a cool Herc, someone like a like a a, a red alert. A, a, I'm trying to think of the one. Uh, my man, uh, any of those DJs who are right there in the forefront, any one of them, Grandmaster Flash, I couldn't imagine them having to bow their head and ask for something. I'm not saying these men don't have it now, but they should just be getting it. Yeah, yeah. But that's another situation right there. It's sad, but my God, I I knew this was going to be something. I knew this was going to be something. I thank you so much for that personal moment that you shared between you and Fat Joe's mom giving you the extra faith for you to follow your dreams like that. That was beautiful. Thank you, Mrs. Fat Joe's mom. <laughs> We're going to be right back. <laughs> Thank you, Miss Ruby. <laughs> we'll be right back, Mikey. Yes, sir. Okay, so I don't think people realize at a certain point in the Bronx, the Bronx was on fire at one point, literally. The Bronx was burning at one point in like the 70s. Like I did my research. If you look back, like there's a show that's on Netflix called The, the Get Down. I think it's an awesome, awesome show. I'm sad that it went off the air, but it's it, they they redid that show so good. We can get a look back. You can get, you can see what the Bronx looked like in the 70s and the 80s or what have you. So how was it as a young man in the Bronx trying to make your way? Um, back then when I was growing up, we was playing Kick the Can, Scalzi, Manhunt. You know, we was having fun. We was riding our bikes. Um, we was going to the carnival down on 163rd, not 163rd, over there by 3rd Avenue. And so we was just doing a lot of ki- adventurous kiss stuff like the And then... Um, uh- Okay. Then when the crack epidemic came out, you know, um, I lost a couple of my friends at a very, very early age. Like my man, my friend Raheem, a uh, friend of mine, Kiani, he caught a, a, a case. I mean, we're talking extremely young, you know? And um, it's just, it was just, you know, it's just sad that back then when the crack, ever, the crack epidemic came out, we went from playing kick the can to kick the crackhead, you know? Mm. And, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't start heavily involved into um, narcotics distribution until I was around 18. And um, I, I, I ventured into that and got back out and um, got back in it and, um, I got back out, you know, I was in and out of the streets for quite some time, 
and I just got tired of doing the devil's work. Um, I got tired of being a, uh, a a leader who was not as a king should. You know, I was I was leading as a sinner, and um, I didn't think that was cool. So I had to do something different with my life, and I got back into my music. I started dropping singles, music after music, and it it, it, it was a blessing. It worked out for me, and then for my music. I um, ventured into um, my, my clothing companies. I have two clothing lines, uh, which is Guard Your Grill and the Stephen Paul <laughs> Collection. And it's now a dope a, name. Oh, <laughs> and um, the Stephen Collection. And I'm about to drop the Kid Factory next year. And um, from the clothing lines, I ventured into film five years ago as an um, actor with a BET short that I was throwing uh, in for someone. And uh, Kevin Breslin, Academy Award winning, Emmy winning director. Um, he wanted, he actually wanted Joe for this movie when I met with him. And um, instead of Joe, he ended up putting me in it. So it was- We're gonna get into the film stuff. We're gonna get into that. I just wanna know, transitioning from your childhood into a young adult or what have you. Cause I, I'm just, I'm thinking back on those days of when you're talking about like that time in the Bronx, and it wasn't easy to make something out of yourself there. No, well, me. Not easy now, but I'm just saying, it must have been tough around that time because um, it's it's it was very obvious that you and Joe know each other. Now I'm thinking yeah. back, even though you were the little brother in the situation, you weren't that far behind. So that means you had to have been there and seen a lot of the things that were happening in the streets. Oh yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. Like, so how were you able to get through? Because he he said a lot of not so nice things about ways that he had to survive, and I'm just wondering if you had to probably go through the same kind of situations in order to sustain yourself. Because I mean, in those days, it was all about you know you had to keep up the way you looked as a young man on the streets, or you'll get played. And if you get played, someone's gonna want to fight you or do some craziness yeah. like that. How did you maintain yourself at that time? Um, you know. My mom, she was a, um, a nurse. She was an LPN at the time. Or was she a registered nurse? No, she was a registered nurse at the time. She and, was an RN. Yeah, RN. And um, even Joey's mom's work. So we had, we had working parents. But our parents are at work not knowing what's really going on out there in them, in them streets. And we lived in the projects where, listen, if you, if you ain't fight, if you ain't, get your, if you ain't defend yourself, then it is it was what it was and don't, I mean, don't get me wrong we had our fun like joey myself a whole bunch of us we would go to different schools for free lunch mm. <laughs> we had shout out to free lunch man yeah. back yeah. for the kids i don't know what it is to live during <laughs> the get the round pizza and ice <laughs> on the road. yeah we had this crew called the free lunch the free lunch bunch and uh, it was fun. We was just going school to school. The free lunch bunch. The free lunch bunch. <laughs> you know? And Wow. And, and and but then you had your dark side as well. You know. Um there's some things that I can I can um that's in my head that I can spit out, but I would never even do that because that'd incriminate a lot of yeah. things. Yeah, okay. so but let's just say thank god we all made it out that thank was god. supposed to have made it out 
the God, whoever God got out of Far's projects, he got out. You know, and my blessings are always there for those that are still stuck in them projects. Um, but growing up in that time, I mean, I seen death, I seen murder right in front of me, right in front of me, brains blown out. Very, very close friend of mine, like you know, killed. And but he was an older gentleman, but he was a friend of my family, you know. Yes, and yes, yes. I, he wasn't the only one. I've seen a lot. I've seen a lot, and um, it's sad. It's sad to um. But when you say death and murder is that close to you, how how does one walk around and feel safe? Did you ever did you ever carry a fire on your arm yourself in order to feel safe? No, nah, no, no, not at that age. Nah, not at 11, 12 years old. Nah, I didn't carry a fire on. You know, I knew how to fight. Seeing murder and killing in front of you at that age. Yeah, and um, I, I was around 10 years old at that time. And the person that they shot in the head was um in his uh, 20s. He was in his 20s. So, you know, uh, rest in peace to Steve. Steve Cannon. Wow, man. rest in peace, Mr. Cannon. And um, wow. it, it was just crazy, man. You heard his mother screaming from the window, though. She's on 13th floor with me, so and that's not the only murder that that I witnessed, but it was just sad, man. And right like then the and there. Yeah, I real that's when I realized it's real. It's real out here. And um but you're desensitized at by that time. Hmm. So I was already desensitized. It was like shocking. But I woke up the next morning, went to school, and did my work like it was nothing. And that's the problem about the urban communities. We're so desensitized to violence that it doesn't bother us until it hits home. I agree. 155%. I remember having a conversation on here, and the topic was uh, mental health. And the problem that I think we have in our inner city communities is the fact that it's treated like it's nothing with us. Like, oh, you'll just get over it. Or they've seen it enough, they don't need any help to fix that situation. And it's not true. It's not true. Because if you can play back this horror story to me right now as a grown man with something that happened in front of you when you're, you were in your adolescent stages, you were a tween, 11, 12 years old. It's clearly still with you. That's not normal. Yeah. But, you know, I digress, you know. I mean, I guess, you know, it's okay for people to admit I want to talk about things like this too, you know. I respect the fact that you, you can talk about it and it doesn't bother you enough where you won't share this kind of thing, but this is happening more than we think in our community. So. And, and, and you have to talk about it because yes. if, if you don't talk about it, then that trauma is going to stay there. This is and, true. And, and you have to, you have to take that trauma and you have to work through it. You'll never forget what happened, but you can always work through it. And when you're dealing with death in the urban, let me just speak on the urban communities. When you're dealing with death in the urban community, we as a people don't care until it hits us. Agree, 155%. Oh, I didn't see nothing. I didn't see nothing. But the minute it hits your door, now you want help. 
No, we have to be our brother's keeper. 90, 99,000 percent of the time. Not 90, you know, not 9%. You got to be your brother's keeper 1,000% of the time, period. You can't be your brother's keeper when you want to be. God didn't, God, God is not sitting up there or wherever he's at. Well, I'll be good to you this day. I'll be good to you that. No, God is good to us every day. Every day we wake up with air in our lungs to get up, brush our teeth, goggle, rinse, spit, whatever we're doing, shit, shower, and shave. You think you did that? God allowed you to do that. You can't wipe your ass without the movement of your hands, now, can you? You can't brush your teeth without the grip of your fingers, can you? No. God is allowing you to utilize your limbs, your mind, and your body to get up out that bed and do what you do, and we take that for granted. So we can't take what's going on in the community for granted anymore. We have to each one teach one and seriously be our brother's keeper. We got to take care of one another. The, the government is not there to take care of us. The government is there to pacify us, keep us at bay. You can say that again, please, sir. Can you please repeat that one more time for the people in the back? please? The, the, the government is not there to take care of us. The government is there to pacify us, to keep us at bay to keep us at a minimum. They don't want to see you maximize. That's why the welfare system will never change because they want you to utilize them and beg from them. And they're going to put you to work for a check that you only get $100 every other week, whatever it is. And you out there cleaning dog shit from a park. And you proud of that? But yet these Mexicans come over here and I love all... And I respect my Mexican brothers and sisters because they're taking jobs that we as black Americans think are too um, talkative to our peers. Oh, yo, look at Sheikah, man. She working at McDonald's, yo. And we let that get to us. Mexicans don't care. They got food on the table. They rent paid. They live in, and they living off a McDonald's salary. But us, we're too proud to work at McDonald's. No, well, yeah, I'll take it a step further. Being that we're speaking about our Mexican brothers and sisters right now, that's what threw me for a loop when Cheeto Forty Five started talking crazy and being so disgusting to these people. It's not a job like McDonald's will be considered to be a a top scale job considered to some of the jobs that these men and women will take on just to make an honest living and feed mm-hmm. their families. So that's why it's just. I just don't get how people overlook these kinds of things. The other day, I'm driving on the conduit, and who do we see there with their flowers and everything selling them by the side of the road to make their honest living and earn their money to feed their kids, to Uh take care of the family? Who do I see lined up by Home Depot waiting for anyone to pick them up? They're taking a chance with their life, getting into a stranger's car to go help them doing a contracting job or something like that. So I hear you, Uh and I recognize that out there. But we digress. Back to what you were saying, brother. I'm sorry. Wait, wait. You got me. You got me. You got me feeling like it's church right now. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad you touched on that because they they accept the jobs and take the jobs that we don't want. Jobs that we need, we don't want. Hmm. It's like we can't be seen working in Popeyes or or working in Baskin Robbins because we hmm. we're afraid of what our peers are saying. Who cares? But you'll sell some drugs. You'll go do. You'll go swipe some cards. Yeah. 
Wow, it's just insane. Priorities, man. Priorities. I packed bags. Didn't even have. To. I packed bags in supermarkets for three to four years. You know how much money I made and didn't realize I made that kind of money. I was bringing home at least two hundred and something dollars a day at the age of 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 years old. All the kids. Don't fall in the little hustler dudes out there. Mr. Bagpacker, Mr. Newspaper Route, Mr. I'll Shovel Your Yard. Did that Don't, trick. I did let's the, not turn on the kids now. I, I put them I put them them flyers in people's doors. You was riding around with the circulars. The circulars. Mm-hmm. I was riding around those too. Sticking circulars in people's doors, all that. I did everything. History and, of a go-getter. Yeah, and, I, and, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm proud that I could tell my son, yo, I broke my back. I broke my back, but you want to know something? Nowadays, kid, you don't got to break yours. Just just make an honest buck. You ain't never got to do the things I've done. Just keep your money honest. Real talk. And the only way you're going to get him to listen to you is if you keep it as transparent as you are giving it up to me right now. You, I'm sure you're giving it up like that to your family. And people have to respect that kind of honesty. He's going to be able to look you in your face, look at you in your eyes and know you're not giving him nonsense. You're telling him the things that are the good, the bad, and the ugly, just so you can believe him and understand. I'm not telling you this for my health. I just don't want you to go down that path. I want better for you. And that's my- the thing. We don't have enough parents. Sorry to cut. We don't have enough parents that are uh, not afraid to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm gotta be vulnerable with your kids man and that's another thing within our community that we need work with because at the end of the day when you become an older person it's going to be your son and if you have other children it's going to be your kids that are there for you and look if it's if your kids are around let me not even just say it like that because not everyone that has children has kids that are going to take care of them if they're sick or whatever like that i had to see that the hard way that's not always the case but you've got to be vulnerable you've got to open up and talk to your family you got to be truthful because then they are going to have their own family and they can speak from a truthful standpoint. Like I remember when I was a kid, I knew it was easy to get it this way, but my dad always kept it a hundred with me. My mom always kept it a hundred. So I wouldn't have to do that kind of stuff. Yeah. Man, I, I really respect this transparent way of, you know, communicating. You know, I, I, I had a conversation with someone today mm. and um, I was telling him, his name is Khalil. And um, I was I was telling him, I said, you can sell all the records in the world. You can sell, make all the movies all in in in, in, in that the shelves can hold, theaters can hold. Your public wants to know what else are you doing outside of your music and your movies. Right? Are you taking care of your community? And I told I was telling him, I said, the Bronx is not just my community. The United States of America is my community because people are needing everywhere across this country in the urban community. Even the suburbs. There's a lot of kids in the suburbs who are in need of of, of a mentor and, and so so many other things because the parents in the suburbs, they think everything is peaches and cream, not knowing, yo, your kids are trying opioids. Your kids are trying coke. Your kids are sipping syrup. Glue. It's wild that you went in that direction with that particular surrounding. Because everyone thinks it's the suburbs. They're doing a lot better than our inner city youth. They are unsupervised. 
okay? I have a client of mine, because I told you what I do. I had a client of mine. He came into my car once, and he saw I had my Trini flag hanging from my rearview mirror or whatever. And I had just picked him up from an industry party. He's in the music business. And he was like, like, you know, Shellyanne, I know that we mentioned it before. You told me that your background is Trini, but you know... He was, you know, I guess I, I was taking him from different like appointments and stuff like that throughout the day. But now that he's sitting in the back, he had a few drinks, whatever. He's relaxed. And he just sat back and he looked at him and then he started telling me about when he was younger. This is a guy of Jewish descent. He was telling me when he was younger, uh, his babysitter was this lady from Trinidad. And he was saying, my mom and my dad had me later in life. So they both went back out to work not long after I was born. So for the better part of my life, I've only, I only knew the lady. He called her name, but I can't remember it right now. But long and short, he said, you got to understand. I knew it looked different. He said, but I, I couldn't help but to love her like a real mother because she was the only person that was there for me in those moments when I was in pain or I was hurt. He said the first fight he had, she was there. The first time he got his heart broken, she was there. He fell, skinned his knee, whatever. She was there for everything. He said his mother and father always had a problem with the bond that she not only only had with her, but with her family. Because when it was time for her to go home for the weekend, she used to do like a live-in job with them. He would want to leave with her. And sometimes she would let him go. So he said, whenever I was there with her and her family and her kids, it's like, I was home. I was among people who loved me. They weren't ashamed to show affection. We loved each other. I had brothers and sisters when I went home with her. And he said when he got older and of course he went off to school and stuff like that and she stopped working with them because she didn't need to be the, you know, the the babysitter or the person in the house anymore. He would, you know, he went on with his life, but he would still check in with her from time to time. And one of the most heart-wrenching moments is when he said, you know, she helped me with so many things in my life. But when she became an older person that needed for her kids to then take care of her, he said, and this, he, he got choked up and started crying when he said this part. He goes, I was so thankful for when she needed for other people to look after her after all she's done in life. Her kids allowed me to help out and do my part. That was so heavy. Because his main thing was, everyone thinks that everything is great when you have money, you're out living wherever you're living, you're out far away. You're lonely is what he said. He said, I didn't have anybody there. And she was always there for me. She treated me like I was one of her kids. She loved me more than my mom, I felt. It was, he had a moment in that backseat. And it was beautiful. So what you're saying is so true. They're doing drugs. They're doing these other things to get comfort. Or just because they have the freedom to do it. And then they end up being the people who are the managers and the owners of the companies that our kids work at. It's sad. It's sad. I have a client of mine who already has an empire built for the kid once he gets to a certain age. He doesn't care about any of that, but he's going to get it anyway. He's going to inherit it anyway. It's just, it's wild, man. Where are we? Yeah. It's sad. It's sad. It's sad. And let's switch gears a little bit. We'll be right back. All right, sir, let's talk about this film life a little. You made mention of it a little while ago. Tell us how you got into the wonderful world of film. Oh, wow. Um, I was about maybe five, six years ago. Um, 
Well, well longer than that, because uh, this is before Kevin. A rap artist by the name of Mocha Blue uh, was filming a BET short with a young lady named Damo Kiss, I believe. And um, I was approached about playing a, an abusive politician. And at first I wasn't going to do it because I don't want it to put out like this is what every man is about, especially every black man. Like every black man doesn't beat his woman. Every black man doesn't berate his queen, you know? And when she told me it was a true story, that's why I took the role on. So I, um, they said I did great. <laughs> but, so my DJ Swift at the time, he calls me, he says, yo, um, this casting agent, she wants you for some movies. I said, man, I ain't no fucking actor, man. What's wrong with you? And he was like, yo, you just did that BET. I said, man, that was that was uh, a little something, man. That wasn't, you know, that was more for me like a, a quick rap cameo, you know? And um, when I met with Kevin Breslin, he wanted Joey. So I put him on the phone with Angel, Joey's brother. And um, uh, I, I forgot what happened, but Joe couldn't do it. Joe wasn't here. Mm-hmm. So he asked me to do it. And um, I was like, I'm not an actor. And then um, when he told me what I would be doing, I said, you know what, I'll do it. And now I'm in the movie with uh, Kathy and Jimmy, Billy Baldwin, Paul Ben Victor, Jared Averson from Diary of a Wimpy Kid, my boy Jack Falahi. Mm-hmm. He's on How to Get Away with Murder now. So. It was it was great. Amada Sante, you know, and uh, my friend Victoria Cartagena. She's on Gotham now, and um, it was a blessing. And then years later, I just started getting behind the camera, doing my videos with my video crew, and now I shot a movie called Colorblind about five years ago, and it came out great, but it wasn't great enough for me. It wasn't great enough to put out. Hmm. So now. Um, fast forward, I did Time Matters, featuring myself, starring myself, Mama Jones, um, and Peter Guns, Rick Rose. That's why Raymond Broadwater, <coughs> Raymond Broadwater. Respect, respect. I saw him at the Prince party over the summer. Took a picture oh, okay. with him. He told me I nah. smelled amazing. I told him I used uh, juices and berries. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait a minute today's his birthday happy birthday Peter Guns yeah he's a piece that's my bro 50 years old today looking amazing yes guys Yo, that's crazy right <laughs> something moving right along but respect that's, to you Peter Guns respect that's crazy so you know um, and then I, I just wrapped up Time Matters now I'm filming Colorblind and then after that, I'm going to be filming um, Key, this uh, this police film called Keys and Cuffs. Keys and, and then, Cuffs. Yeah, then Run, which is a hard flick, Days of a King, and two more. And I'm done. Then go back on the road for my, to promote my album and end the movie. Okay. Sounds like you're keeping yourself busy, man. That's the way to be. Hey, listen, man. You know, I, I, I tell you, just to go off base a little, two years ago, it almost it, I, I didn't think I'd be here hmm. two years ago I did not think I'd be here you know as a as a uh, I don't like to use the word philanthropist but that's what they that's the title that they have out there you know 
I do my toy drives every year. You know, I feed people. I take care of what I take care of whatever in the communities, and I take guns off the street. And I got set up by somebody, and um, I beat the case six days later in the, in the grand jury. But if I didn't beat that case, I would I was looking at seven and a half to fifteen years for something that I do in a community all across America. Wait a second. Um, Wait a second. You're telling me you're doing things like toy drives. You're you're removing guns from the street, and someone tried to set you up. Yeah. Yeah. You were you could have been facing jail time from a setup. Yeah. Exactly. Please, do you mind sharing with us what happened? Well, my mom passed on July thirteenth. 2016. Sorry. Sorry to hear. Thank that. you. Thanks. Um, August 18th, I was arrested for um, uh, possession of a firearm um, with intent to use or whatever they put, and which is bullcrap. So my role manager at the time, uh, Musashi Sundiata Kamal, he met me at my mom's house, and um, he was out front. I said, I'd be outside, I'd be right out. So that day, I suppose I met up with um, the mayor of uh, Newark, New Jersey, Raj Baraka. Because mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. my boy, um, Hakeem Green, do it all. We was all, and even Joe. Respect to do it all. Yeah, another good brother. We yes, were going to do this. Hip-hop, making hip hop look very awesome. We don't all yeah. stay and continue to do music. Some of us do branch out and try to help the community. And he's one of the main ones who does it. Respect yeah. to do. Yeah, shout out to do. And uh, we was going to do the uh, 24 hours of peace concert. Mm-hmm. So that that's that was my whole plan. Go drop off the firearm that I took off the 16 year old at the time. And then um, go to Newark, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I told Musashi I'd be right out. I gotta empty some garbage and stuff that I'm throwing out from my mom's room. And um, went out to the hallway to the incinerator. And um, I saw the gentleman out there. He said, what you about to do, man? It's always good to see you. I'm glad you come around. You know, not too many celebrities, man, would ever be back in there in the hood. That's not, I wasn't my hood, but I, I was like, it ain't about all that. So I'm about to go take this firearm. I took off this kid. To the precinct, he said, "Yeah, I got one too," and he showed it to me in his phone. So I said, "Why don't you go get it so I can turn it in?" He said, "I'll be right back." But I said, "You don't need that." So wait a minute. This is a neighbor. This was a neighbor to your mother. Yeah. Who saw you clearing out things from her apartment at the time, and he yeah. stops you and speaks to you. You told him that you were in town doing whatever you were doing. You were there by your mom doing what you were doing. And you were also getting rid of a gun from another youth that you had seen earlier. He says to you, really? And shows you in his phone a picture of a gun. Yeah, 38 bonos. Yeah, 38 bonos. Go on. So um, I said, yo, you don't need that. Go get it. I'll take it in. He's like, all right, cool. I said, I um. I'll be outside, my role manager here. I'm gonna go to the, to the bodega real quick, get a water. So I went and got a water um, along with my role manager. So my Range Rover, brand new Range Rover, parked um, about maybe 40 something feet from the bodega. And um, we coming out the store, all these police roll up. No, we see them going by, like they, they going by like frantic, like, like where you at, where they at? <laughs> And uh, it was like one of them scenes out of a movie. They they you going had no up. idea that they were nah. looking. Yeah, 
Wow. Next thing you know, we come out and they roll up. Mikey J, Jeff Jeff, rapper. So I'm like, yeah. So he's like, yo, put your hands up. But my hands are already up. <laughs> so, my hands that's are already black, up. That's a black man with some good sense in New York City. Well done. Yeah. So he's like, yo, what's this? I said, it's a bottle of water. I said, it's my cell phone. It's a bottle of water and my keys to my, to, to, to my, to my, um, to my, to my car. He took the keys out of my hand, put it in the, in, in the air and started pressing the button to see where, where it opened. And the, the Range Rover lights flashed. It went in the Range Rover, took out the brown bag because when you're transporting a firearm, you have to leave it in plain view. You can't put it in the trunk. You can't put it in the glove box. You can't put it in the armrest. It got to be in plain view. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was in plain view, floor, in the brown bag inside of in the, the 38 that I took from the other kid. It's funny, these are 38s. Um, it was inside of the um, the Mofi case box. Mm-hmm. So everything was packaged up, the way it was packaged up, ready for transport. And um, he said, yeah, we got it. I said, got what? I said, that, that's going out to the, that, I'm taking that to the precinct. And then basically he, let's just say, uh, people out there, y'all gotta read your police report. If you read your police report and you know you're innocent, you're gonna win your case. And you ought to speak at that grand jury. Don't, do not have your lawyers tell you don't speak at the grand jury, especially after you don't read that police report and you know it's true. Hmm. If you're guilty, even after you read your police report and you know your police report is, 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 is correct, don't waste, don't, don't, don't mess it up for the next person who's innocent, man. Hmm. So, that's what happened. Thank God I beat the case six days later in the grand jury. And um, it taught me a valuable lesson. And, and the lesson that I read that police report. Because everything else I did by the letter. But read that police report. Cops lie. Hmm. Cops it lie. Is the truth. Cops it's lie. Simple, I'm sorry. Cop, cops lie on accident reports. If you... if, if it, mm. I've never seen it before like I had an accident before they put me down as the person that caused the accident I had to go get the whole report amended so cops lie mm. and I told you earlier like on another, uh, at another time that I, I had a situation where I had a car accident and they left mad holes in the uh, police report they didn't even say that I got taken away by an ambulance they left all that stuff blank then come to find out that the person who hit me was the child of a judge and they showed like a shield and they showed something else to the police officer. So he didn't even say that I got taken away by an ambulance, nothing like that. He left a bunch of holes all over the police report, which made it hard for me to continue on with the case for me to end it. So yeah, yeah, you gotta look at your stuff. You can't just go by what they're saying. You never know, it might be a slow night or a slow day, they need to, get whatever numbers up or whatever that's your freedom you're playing with there so thank you for the good advice you're giving to the people out there and i'm glad you managed to get out of that situation in that case i'm glad that justice prevailed so and, 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 and you got the best lawyers let me tell everybody out there you can have all the success in the world i have two shared grammy nominations i got 13 music awards 
And I got 40 honor awards. I got success. I'm very, very well to do. But the judicial system, they could care less about that. They don't I'm they, I, when I was in that grand jury box, I told them straight up. When that DA asked me my name, I said, oh yeah, you know me by this name. But maybe some of them ain't know me by this name. Mm-hmm. And I said Mikey J and I spelled it out because I saw some of them with cell phones in their hands. Mm-hmm. And when I did that, I did that on purpose. So because they started Googling me. And I said, yeah, you may know me by this name. But in the entertainment industry, I'm known as Mikey J, M-I-K-E-Y-J-A-Y. I'm not just a rapper. I'm not just an actor. I'm not just a film director. I'm the spokesperson for the NAACP. I'm a United Nations Peace Ambassador. This is what I do. I'm beyond rap. I'm beyond films. Man, I put my whole bio. It's a shame that you, you got to pull out all those credentials for people to look at you in a certain way. It's messed up. But it's just the things that people have to do sometimes. Because like you were saying, you know, once you're in that particular setting, you're looked at as just, this is what it is. I got beaten by a cop. Beaten. Beaten. And when it was time for me to go and fill out my police report, they kept jerking me. They sent me here, they sent me there, everything to try to wear me down so I wouldn't do it. And when I did, they made me go to his particular police precinct. And I had to go there. First off, when I went to the to the precinct, they told me they didn't have the form that I needed to file a complaint. So I then had to go to one police plaza. I went to one police plaza in the city. And when I got there, they told me I couldn't fill it out there. I had to go back to the cop's uh, home station house and fill it out there. So I had to show up there with a blank police uh, complaint form and do it right there in front of them. I didn't I didn't see the sense in that, but that's what they made me do. Long and short, the people who were in there treated me like garbage because it's like, oh, you're going against one of our own. But what was wild is this was a white cop that beat me up and the cops who were behaving that way with me, especially the desk sergeant who was there when I showed up, it was a guy, a brown guy with locks. When I got there, I told him who I was. He goes, oh, it's you. Go sit over there and fill out the report. I'm like, wait a minute. This was at the 70th precinct. The Admiral Louisville precinct. I got beat up at work on camera. They made me get a subpoena in order to get the actual footage so I can show a lawyer. They put up so many fiery hoops just so I can say, you know what? Fuck this. I'm not doing this. But I didn't give up. But the final straw was when they had a bunch of uniformed officers showing up to my previous residence because the ID that I had given to them was from my previous place of residence. They were showing up throughout the week. And it was to the point where my old landlady, she called me and said, listen, are you okay? I'm like, I'm okay. I'm not going to tell I got beat up by the cops the other day. She was like, you know, and all the time that you were a resident of mine, I never had a problem with you. In the last two weeks, The police have shown up here at least four to five times in one week. Tell me what's going on. And I had to let her know what happened. So it's like, you know, at the end of the day, in the eyes of the law, certain people look a certain way until you, you're guilty until you're proven innocent. So again, I'm glad you were able to beat this, especially with a situation with a gun being involved. I'm glad you were able to get out of that because you were not guilty. 
But again, I'm also thankful that you're trying to take the guns off the street and trying to take them away from these kids and trying to have them know there's another way. You don't need this. So thanks for even doing that because you don't hear that often. Yeah. Yeah. God is great. All the time, man. All the time. I'll be right back. Yes, Mr. Mikey J. So, what can we look forward to with the Mr. Mikey J. brand in the coming year and in the distant future? What can we look forward to with you, whether it be film, whether it be music, or just public speaking, whatever it is you have to offer, what can we look forward to? Well, you could definitely look forward to um, wrapping up um, Colorblind. And releasing about six films this year. Ooh, sounds good. April, sounds good. February twenty first, I will be in Baltimore. I'm um, headlining a one on one one on one music panel with myself and about three hundred different artists. Question and answer segment out there in Baltimore with Mr. Rodney Mosley mm. of WMUR Radio and his team. Shout and, out um, to Maryland. I got family in yeah. Springs. Shout out to Maryland. Stand up. Yeah. Um, and then from there, April 6th, I'll be hosting the Kiki Wyatt um, concert. That's my girl. I love her. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'll, definitely get you, uh, I'll definitely get you a press pass if you want to come. What? Where's this happening? In New April York? April 6th. April 6th in Maryland. In Baltimore. In Maryland, we're going to have to work something out. We're going to have to work. I love her. She's so dope and underrated as an artist. I just don't know how people don't talk about her more. She's wicked, man. All yeah. right, what else you got? What else you got, man? And then I'm going on the road. Got a couple of tours, uh, some spot dates that I'm doing. I got a new album coming out. Right now, I got some singles out. Back on my bullshit. Mm. Um, and for the ladies, I got Fiendin'. The ladies have been really loving that record. Why it gotta be just for the ladies? Let me tell you something. I could pick out a few hip-hop dudes that are like R&B thugs. It's not just for us, you know. Nah, Fiendin' is, is one of them <laughs> records where, where where if a man if if a man like Jodeci Fiendin? Well, nah, Fien, my, my my rendition of Fiendin I get it, more, but I mean, is it like that kind of content? Nah, this one is more about her in my bloodstream. I'm feeding for her and no other woman. Jeez, he's addicted, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> he's feeling for her embrace. He's feeling for her, her, her to come home to her, like just wanting her, nobody else. Mm, Shout out to all the men that are being true to one woman. You know, that's like a, a purple unicorn. So shout out to the men that are true to the one woman in their life and they fiend for her. Yes, bring back that kind of feeling, Mr. Mikey J. <laughs> yes, man. <laughs> and, um, you know, I got a couple of release parties for the uh, trailer release parties and the movie premieres for um, Time Matters and Colorblind Run, as well as um, Keys and, and Cuffs and Days of a King. So I'm just doing a bunch of films and and releasing new music and I'm looking to do more more and more speaking so if anyone wants to book me just um, it's the email address is securemikeysbag at gmail.com <laughs> you got the best t- 
titles and names for stuff. So that is <laughs> Secure Mikey's Bag. And don't worry, everyone, all the links to all the things that he's mentioned, I'm going to have it in the description for the show. So everything from the previous uh, YouTube information, Spotify, or any kind of any uh, uh, musical. I'm going to have everything listed, especially the, what is it? Secure Mikey's Bag. Oh, yeah. Secure Mikey's Bag <laughs> at gmail.com. And if anybody's interested in being in any films, whether you're a, a new actress, um, if, listen, if you ever lied to your parents and got away with it to this day, then you can act. <laughs> uh, that, email, that email is A-I-G-N-E filmgroup at gmail.com and one of my uh, employees will definitely um, facilitate you whether you're an actress, actor uh, graphic designer makeup, special effects if you're looking to get into any film um, definitely, definitely email me and I also finance films so if you have any films that you need financing for you need to secure financing or if you want to even have me in your film A-I-G-N-E filmgroup at gmail.com Mr. Mikey J it has been my absolute pleasure having you on today thank you so much for spending time with us today thank you it's been a pleasure thank you so much and thank you so much for being so transparent and we really appreciate that awesome walk through memory lane thank you so much for taking us all back i'm sure i'm not the only one that got excited when you mentioned a few things earlier yeah. straight on through and thank you for your honesty yes, you know thank yes. you for being so upfront honest and i appreciate that and i would love to have you on again if you have time uh, anything love- you want to i would love to come anything- back no worries man anything you want to promote anything you want to speak up on anything like that you have been promoted and this is your show too I would love to have you back thank you so much for your time I appreciate you brother thank you and, and if you don't mind I just say uh, some parting words of encouragement to your audience if it's okay I normally do that at my shows please, as well please. so to the audience um, always put God first keep God and Christ in your life even if not keep positivity in your life that's very important you see a positive thought produces Positive actions and positive actions will always produce positive outcomes. Stay away from negativity, stay positive, and produce. God bless. Mr. Mikey J, ladies and gentlemen. Respect to Mikey J. Thank you so much for taking the time, sir. I really, really appreciate all the positive vibes and energy that you put out into the atmosphere. It's awesome for people to hear a success story. I just love the fact that you were so honest and open from the beginning when you first, you know, hey, you started talking about when you were born, all the way through, you know, trials, tribulations, ups, downs, and into your current state. I'm very, very, very thankful that I was able to have a sit down and have a conversation with you and you were able to share with my listeners. I appreciate you. I wish you all the best, all the success, and just anything good. Thank you so much for your time. All right? Well, that's it, people. 
as usual, be positive, like the blood type, and remember that your time is your most valuable commodity. Do not waste it for everyone. Cheers, people.